Okay, how many, how many of you um, have um, bought or subscribed to C- CBD or the ChristianBook.com? You know, you know that? Okay, they're, they're a Christian book warehouse up in Peabody, Peabody or Peabody, however you pronounce it, um, up in Massachusetts. And anyways, about a week and a half ago, I got this, you know, thing in the mail, and uh, it's got all kinds of fiction in it, all the way from historical fiction to romantic fiction to Amish fiction, you know, the whole nine yards in fiction. And so, you know, there's probably a thousand different books in here that's fiction, and, uh, you know, I was thinking about that. You know, there's so much stuff out there that's not real, that's floating around. You can go into Barnes & Noble, and, and the, the shelves are full of, of stuff that's not real. But this morning, we're going to take a book in the Old Testament that's real, okay? That's, that's, that's the truth, okay? That we don't, have to, we don't have to have anything that's fake or that's not real, Okay? So we're going to look at the book of Ruth this morning. And uh, let's put up that Matthew. uh, You got that one up there? There we go. Now, it says, Solomon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed, Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of King David. Okay, so this, this is in Matthew, and Ruth was mentioned in that, and Rahab was mentioned that, and Rahab was also mentioned in the, in the Hall of Faith chapter in, uh, in uh, Hebrews. And, of course, you remember the story of Rahab, of course. That was when um, the two spies went into Jericho, and uh, they, uh, they went in there, and, and Rahab put them up and hid them. And so that the, the people of uh, Jericho wouldn't find them. And after it was over with, they were let down over the wall and, let, and left. But when the walls of Jericho fell, the, her, her dwelling place stood until the rest of the walls fell and her family got out of Jericho and left. And anyways, she was the father, uh, um, she was the mother of Boaz. And so that's, that's an important thing there, too. And in the, in the Matthew portion of the scriptures, there's three women that are mentioned. And these are two of them. We'll get to the third one later on. Anyways, you start in the book of Ruth. And the beginning of the book of Ruth, it says that there's a famine in, in, in the land of Judah. And so um, the... Um, let me find the guy's name here. And it says in the beginning of Ruth, it says, In the days when the judges ruled, when there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's, one, man's name was Emelech, and his wife was Naomi. Okay? So anyways, he decides he's going to make a move to take his family to Moab. Okay? But there again, he was leaving his homeland, Judah, and he was going to a foreign land that had a foreign religion and all kinds of stuff. One of the big things that the religion of Moab was is the fact that they sacrificed children, which was a, was a, which was a big deal. 
But, I mean, that was one of the things that they did in their, in their religion. But anyway, so he took, took his family, and it's about 100 miles from Bethlehem to Moab, okay? But it's very, very um, difficult um, tra- a journey to make because it goes through deserts, it goes through mountains, and it's not easy, so that it, it, t- it takes some time. Now, today, of course, 100 miles in our cars today, if there was a road that went there, we could probably make it easy in an hour and a half. But it take that, took them 10 or 11 days to get that far. And so anyways, he does make this travel, uh, this journey, and he travels there with his uh, wife and two sons. And so when he gets there, they live there for approximately 10 years. But you've got to remember now, here's a Jewish family going into an, uh, a foreign land. But there's one thing about the Jewish people is most of the Jewish people all had some kind of a trade or something that they, they could take anywhere that they went to be able to use that trade so that, I mean, if they went into a foreign, a foreign city, they could use their trade. So we don't know really what, what it uh, what the trade of this man was, although in one of the books that I, I read said that he was a potter, um, but that was only supposing that what he did. But anyways, he had some kind of a trade that he could support his family while he was there. And obviously, he must have had some kind of money to be able to afford to be just up and leave where he was living and move to a foreign, another land, and another thing that was too interesting about this, I found out that the, the, um, the language that was spoken in Moab was very, very similar to the Jewish um, language that was spo- spoken in Israel at the time. So the, the two, two uh, different countries would have been able to semi be able to communicate with one another. And so, anyways, so he's there, and, uh, and while they're there, the sons grow up. They marry two Moabite women. One was Ruth. And so, but in the process of the 10 years, the, the father dies. And subsequently, both the boys die. So now here's Naomi left with two daughter-in-laws and herself. They were all widows. So now, what do you do? She's in a foreign land. She's with two daughter-in-laws that are Moabites. Okay, they're not, they're not Jewish girls, which, of course, in the, in the Old Testament, one of the things that the Lord said to, to, the, to the guys in, 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 the, in the Israelite community, they were to marry Jewish girls, not, not girls from foreign lands. But anyways, they, because there was no, no other available, they married the two Moabite women. But, you know, it's interesting. Even, even though that happened, God has a plan in the end of what, what happens in the end, and we'll see that. Anyways, after, after a period of time, Naomi decides that she's heard back in, in uh, Judah that the famine is over. So, I guess I'll go home, okay? So she decides with her two daughter-in-laws to pack up and head back to Judah, okay? 
So, but of course, in the process, she tells the two girls, it would be better to, for you to stay here because obviously these are your people, this is your religion, and this is what you know. Anyways, they did start out at the journey. If you read the, read the, the, the uh, book of Ruth, they did start out, the, two, the three of them together, but they didn't get, did, did not get too far because she kept asking them, are you sure you want to do this? Do you want to really do this? Do you really want to do this? And finally, um, the, other, the other young lady decides to turn around and go back to her family. But Ruth decides to stick with her because they've been living in the same house with, household with, her, with Naomi. And so obviously they've been hearing her, how she prayed to the Lord. She followed the, all the, 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 um, the things of the Lord that was taught in the, in the first five books of the Bible. And so anyways, Ruth sticks with her mother-in-law. And of course, they make this journey back home to Bethlehem, which goes through the same, you know, um, topography that they that they had when they went there. So they went back the other way. But you know, it's interesting. Um, we got a book. We have another book at home that's a that's a fiction book on the book on the on the book of Ruth. And of course, when they do f- fiction books like that, they do put a lot of um, the, the, the facts out of the scriptures in there, but they embellish it. Okay, and so they, in this in this uh, fiction, the person who wrote it said that they that they probably joined a caravan to get back through because if three ladies doing a hundred mile journey through desert mountain and all kinds of stuff like that would have been in severe danger, okay? So that they probably, they probably went, with, went with a group of people um, more than just themselves to get back to, back to Bethlehem. So anyways, they take this journey, and they get back to Bethlehem. Now I've got to look at my notes. So when they get when they get close to, when they get back to um, Bethlehem, um, Naomi introduced instructed her neighbors to call her Mara, which means bitter. Okay, she was very upset because she had lost her husband. She had lost two sons, and so she was very bitter about the whole deal. I guess maybe if I was in her situation, I guess I feel I'd I might feel the same way. Um, you know, you, you're, you're, um, and and of course, then she lost one daughter-in-law too. But she has, she has Ruth still left, which of course we find down, down the road down here, how important Ruth was to her, um, because obviously we see Ruth's name was mentioned in the New Testament scriptures. So, anyways. They get, back to, they get back to Bethlehem. And so here's two, who, here's two widows. Now what are we going to do? Um, you know, it, in those days, it's not like today. Ladies, most of, a lot of you ladies 
work outside of the house. Um, in those days, that was not necessarily the case. There wasn't, there wasn't a lot of uh, jobs out there for females in, in those days. And so you've got two, you've got two widows here that, that need to have shelter, and they need to have food. So anyways, but one thing that, that was provided for in the, in the Jewish community is the fact that during the harvest season, which when they got back to, to Bethlehem was right in the middle of the barley and the wheat season, um, they were able to, Ruth was able to go out. And when they cut the stalks of stuff down, and uh, there's a whole process that they go through, but there's always some left over in the ground. And so Ruth went out, and they call it gleaning. It's G-L-E-A-N, I think. But anyways, I'm close. My spelling is terrible. I can't spell anything over a three-letter word, so, but that's okay. But uh, anyways, um, but it was, it, that's what it was called, to be able to get the remnants from what was the, uh, left over from the harvest. And so she did that. And so when she was um, doing this, she was in this field doing this, and it just happened to be that the field was owned by this Boaz guy, okay? Um, and so he kind of take notice of her, okay? Um, but it's interesting in the Bible, it doesn't really say too much, but it does say that Boaz was an older man, Okay, and Ruth was younger. Um, but, um, but obviously he was an honorable man because he told, he told the servants that were working in the field um, to be good, be nice to her, um, and to provide liquid for her and so forth because obviously in the time of the season where the, um, the, the harvest was, it was a very warm part of the, part of the season. So anyways, the story goes from there to, to the next step. Let's see where the next step is. And part of, part of this, um, Ruth brings home um, from the field a large portion of grain. And of course, if in those days, if you, if you had a large portion of grain and you put it away, you'd have enough to last for the whole year. So anyways, we get to chapter 12. So anyways, Ruth comes home and tells Naomi about this. And so then Naomi says to, to Ruth to go back to the threshing floor during during the during the evening, and what that was is where that where they, after they brought the stuff in from the fields, they uh, it was a process that they used to separate the the um, the, the the kernels of the of the of the um, the barley and the wheat to separate it from all the other stuff, okay, and uh, so that they they had a whole process that they went through, and so. Ruth goes back in the evening, and she she waits till it's dark, 
and she waits till everything has calmed down and everything is quiet. And the owner of the field, when they were doing this, was at, he was present, present at the field to protect the harvest from being stolen or taken by other people. So Boaz is sleeping now, and Ruth comes up, and now picture this. He's laying in this, his feet are down here, and she lays across his feet this way. Okay, now some scholars say, well, that's a pretty immoral act. But if you, you have to look into Jewish culture, and a lot of these things that we see as part of Jewish culture, and this was one of them, okay? And uh, so during the night, Boaz wakes up and finds Ruth at his feet, and they have a conversation. And so ultimately, um, he's honorable, doesn't do anything that he shouldn't do, and uh, he, says, he tells Ruth, in, in, in essence, everything's going to be all right. I will take care of everything. And so, before it gets late in the morning, light in the morning, Ruth gets up and goes home. Now we get to chapter 4 of Ruth. And this is where Boaz steps, steps up. And in the, in the chapter 4, it talks about the kinsman redeemer. Okay? Another way you could put it is the kinsman relative. It was, a, it was, it was somebody who was related to the person that we're talking about here. Because she had lost her husband, and her husband was part of the line, the line um, of, of Naomi, Naomi's line, and she was married to, to um, Naomi's son. So the thing of it is, was to keep the line going. Okay? It's like, it's like me. Okay? Um, I'm the senior member of my family now. I have great-grandchildren. Um, you know uh, Kim and Nathaniel over here. They have the little hurricane. I mean the little great-grandson. Okay? I've, sorry, I've, I've nicknamed him the little hurricane. But anyways, but that's the lineage that goes on from me. Okay? And so in the, in the Old Testament, that's the same thing, that's, that the lineage should go on. And so anyways, Boaz says he's going to go and try to clear this thing up, okay? There was a certain protocol that, um, that was used to get this straightened out. So he called the city fathers together. He told the town council, um, and it seems like it's probably a little bit more friendly than our town councils that we have today, but anyways, whatever. Um, so he goes there and... He presents the case, but there's one other person that's a closer relative to Naomi than he is. So, of course, that, that guy has first dibs on any property or anything or, or to, to marry Ruth. But going back to the, to the, um, the fiction account that I read... Um, probably he was probably a um, could be, could have possibly been a brother to Naomi's father, uh, husband, and uh, so that would have made him um, a closer relationship 
than what Boaz was. But apparently, apparently he had other responsibilities um, that um, he had that um, he didn't want to take on this, on this um, responsibility of taking her on. So the long and short of the story comes down to the end is the fact that um, Boaz ends up marrying Ruth. But it's interesting, right at the, at the council meeting, um, there was a little, this little, little thing that was thrown in there that I found interesting. That the guy that didn't want to take this under his wings took his sandal off and he, and he handed it to Boaz. What's that all about? It, it was a Jewish custom that uh, when you did this, under these circumstances, that you, the person who was, who was um, going to pass this on down to somebody else, that they take one sandal off and hand it, hand it to the other guy. I don't know whether he handed it or threw it to him, but anyways, whatever. He, he gave him the sandal, okay? Um, so the, the story... The story ends that Boaz and um, Ruth get married. Uh, they have a male child, and it turns out that um, Ruth, who was a Moabite, ends up being the great-grandmother to King David. Now, as everybody's heard about King David, right? You know who he is, right? I mean, you know, he's, he's the, big, the big guy in the Old Testament, right? And uh, so anyways, so you see where... A Moabite and Rahab, who was a Canaanite, were both not Jewish women. And they're in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. They're mentioned right there in verse 5 of chapter 1 of Matthew. And so it's it's very interesting that we would have two, as one commentary said, two heathen women in the genealogy of Jesus. But, you know, it's interesting that God would allow two so-called heathen women in the genealogy of Jesus. You know what that tells me? He'll let anybody in. Nobody is exempt from the family of God. And so, it doesn't matter where you come from, what your background is, you're all acceptable in God's sight through Jesus Christ. Okay, let's go to the let's go um, to the to the end of the chapter. And there's another verse in the end of the chapter. It says, um, "Let me let me go to go to Matthew so I get the the uh, the wording right on it." And it says, it says in verse 16, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. That's the third woman that's mentioned in the lineage of Jesus in the New Testament in in Matthew chapter 1. But as as we all know that Mary was the physical um, way that God brought Jesus into the world. 
But we also know that Joseph was not his real father. So it's interesting that we have, we have God and we have man in there, okay? And he used a woman as a very important medium to be able to birth a child, to come into the world, to save the world. Okay, I'm going to brave. I'm going to be. I'm going to do something brave. I'm going to sing a song for you. Okay, and I'm not going to do it with any instruments. Okay, so excuse me if I get a couple of wrong notes in there. But this song that I'm going to sing, it's it talks about the love of God, how vast His love is. There's nothing, nothing in this world that we can actually describe what the vastness of God's love is. Okay, here goes. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bow down with care. God gave his son to win his erring child. He reconciled and pardoned from his sin. O love of God, how rich, how pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. Now in the last verse, there's going to be some terms in here that you may not understand or recognize um, I will describe them before I sing it to you because it may, there's some old fashioned English in here that you may not understand. And of course, when that song was written 100 plus years ago, it talks about ink. Now, in those days, we didn't have ballpoint pens, we didn't have computer printers and all kinds of good stuff like that. Um, so they had just plain bottles of ink. Now, if, you, if you're, some of you are a little bit older and you had great-great-grandparents that went to school back in the days where there was a one-room schoolhouse and each desk had a, a little bottle in the front and the teacher put ink in there, and that's, that, was their, that was their ink. It wasn't a ballpoint pen or anything like that. So remember, this is, this is ink, liquid ink, Okay. And what you did is, in those days, you didn't have a ballpoint pen. You had a quill, Q-U-I-L, okay? And they made that out of stalks of, of, of tubes like this, and they, and they had, them, had them fashioned at the end where they dipped the thing in the ink, and you wrote, wrote out like that, Okay? And then you're going to hear the word parchment, okay? There's parchment in there, okay? And uh, 
That was the animal skins of sheep or goats that was prepared for writing. It was dried, and they used, and they, that's what they wrote on that. And a, and a scroll, a scroll of parchment was a, something you rolled up, and, uh, and it, was, it, was, it was used because um, you take, like, the first um, books of the Bible were on scrolls, and they were great big long scrolls that they, they rolled up, Okay. And then the guy who, who copied it, we didn't have printers back in those days, so um, they had a guy called a scribe, and he was the guy that trans- he just copied this onto this, onto this, and onto this, and that's how they ended up getting multiple copies of, of the Bible. Okay? Now, that you know, now that you know all those terms, I'll sing you the last verse. Okay? Um, and this is, this is probably the p- most powerful part of the song, too, is the fact that um, with all these things that I've just described, that there's not enough of it to describe God's love. Okay, here we go. Could we with ink the ocean fill And were the skies of parchment made were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. I think that last note was a little flat. But uh, anyways, you get, the, you, get the, you get the gist of what I'm saying here, that God's love was more than what Boaz and Ruth's love was, although that was, that was pretty, pretty intense. Because if you go back and really read the, you know, the details of the book of Ruth, but then when you get to the New Testament and we get to the, the life of Jesus... In God's love, he poured out the ultimate, the ultimate love for each one of us. So this morning, that's what I want to leave with you this morning, is the vastness of God's love. That no matter where you come from, where you've been, what your background is, in God's God's sight, that doesn't matter. Because when you come to Jesus Christ and you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're a new person. What better can, what, how, better, how much better can that get? You know, that is it. Okay, so this morning, as we end here, I just want us to take a little bit of time just to kind of reflect on, you know, what God's love is is. And how, how precious that is to us. That God's love is so precious to each one of us. Okay, so let's just take a few minutes and um, just kind of uh, reflect on that, okay? So let's just bow our heads and be quiet for a couple of minutes and focus on God's love for you and for me. Lord, we thank you today that as we've seen in the 
book of Ruth that Boaz was the kinsman redeemer. He fulfilled his responsibility in the line of Jesus, earthly genealogy. But we thank you that Jesus is our redeemer, that we need no other. So, Lord, I thank you today that God's love is vast, immeasurable, that it covers us all. So, Lord, as we leave this place today, may we show love to one another and show love to those around us as we go. we may be the only light that some people will see in their whole life. So help us to shine and to show the love of Jesus to everybody around us. Lord, I thank you for being here today. Thank you for the doors of our church were open. Thank you that we've been able to worship. And Lord, we thank you most of all for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.